You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Well, good afternoon and welcome, welcome to another exciting episode of Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. I'm your host, Dr. Jeff Werber, here on Pet Life Radio with the, I think, the, the only show that's live. And it's live because we want to hear from you. We want your call-ins. We want to answer your questions. We want to have some fun. And, um, you know, sometimes we, uh, we talk some serious stuff like we did a few weeks ago. Uh, last week, we had a great guest. We had Dr. Justine Lee, who is a veterinary toxicologist as well as emergency medicine critical care. And we talked about all of the hazards around Easter time. And the week before that, we had another veterinarian, Dr. Heather Lenzer, with us. So we've had some pretty good guests. And um, today, you got me, just me, and here to uh, talk, of course, talk pets. Anything you want to talk about, anything you want to learn about, go ahead and give us a call here at 877-385-8882. And our phenomenal producer, Mark, will actually just uh, turn the call over to me. You can also join our conversation, uh, join our chat room, and just go online to PetLifeRadio.com, click on Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, and click to join our conversation. And you can also send me a quick email directly to drjeff, that's Dr. Jeff, at PetLifeRadio.com. Very, very easy. And of course, I'm here with the help of our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products, Kong and our retailers that carry the ProSense line like Walmart and Target who are providing our consumers, that's you, with veterinary quality products at some mass market pricing. So anything that you can find at your vet that might be a little too costly, then maybe look into the ProSense line and you might find it at a more reasonable price. And nothing wrong with that. So anyway, you know, one of the things that I wanted to talk about and things that many of us take for granted. And we talked a lot during the year about the extreme cold weathers we were having across the country and freezing, freezing conditions and lifestyle changes that we needed to take care of in order to make our pets more comfortable. Well, now it's getting warm. I was just down in the San Diego area for about a week. And I mean, even there, San Diego is known for beautiful weather, but it's always, you know, typically in the in the mid 70s, low 70s. You're right by the water, so even though it's way south of Los Angeles, but you're being literally right on the water. It's sometimes a little cooler, and I got to tell you, we were inland a bit, and it was warm. Palm Springs desert areas are getting up into the uh, 90s, uh, low 100s, and I've been hearing from friends and colleagues across the country that springtime is here. And I think that that with that, a couple of things, lifestyle changes that we need to consider taking into consideration, such as most of us are not exercising as diligently during the winter as we do during the spring and summer. With us getting outside less, with us not wanting to brave the cold afternoons and evenings, our pets typically are getting less exercise. So what often happens, I see, because let's face it, most dog and cat owners are not really reducing their pet's caloric needs as much during the winter. So what happens is, like many of us, we pack on the winter weight. 
I said, now it's time to get back into shape. But it's not so easy to say, well, you know, I remember when uh, the end of summer or, you know, back in September, you know, Bowser and I were running about a mile and a half or two miles a day. Bowser's been sitting on his behind all winter and he's not ready to get up and start running the same amount of time. Just like with an athlete, when you have, like, for example, baseball, you go into spring training and you go into preseason and you go to summer leagues in different sports. And that is you want to somewhat stay in shape because it's really hard when you have attained a certain level of activity to stop that level of activity and go straight into where you left off and ask anyone who is an athlete and takes some time off or is recuperating from an injury, it takes some time. And things that you wouldn't even think of, it's not just the effect of on the muscles, but I mean, here's one, the pads. You know, when you have a, a dog who's been not running around a lot during the winter, their pads become sort of smooth like a, like a baby's behind. You know what I mean? You can't start going out on warm pavement and running now, today, the way you did at the end of last summer. Because those pads are going to get blistered. They're going to be painful. And I already just, and here in L.A., people think, oh, yeah, well, you never really have to take a break. No, we do too. People get lazy. The days are shorter. So, yeah, it might be warmer, but nobody wants to go out at 5, 6 o'clock when it's already dark. So now that it's getting dark at 8 o'clock, people are taking advantage. And I've already had probably three cases in the last couple of weeks of the dogs coming in lame. I cannot feel anything, nothing that is obvious. And you look at the pads, and they are literally blistered and peeling just from a dog running on a hard surface. So it's real. It's something that we have to deal with. So I'm going to make some recommendations. And it's important. And uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to hear from any of you, really. Uh, first of all, one of the things I wanted to hear about after having Dr. Lee on last week, has anyone had a problem with this past Easter? Because I've gotten a number of calls. In fact, this is very funny. To just to get off track for a second. One of my associates gets a call yesterday from her boyfriend. And their own dog got into a, an Easter basket full of chocolate eggs that were sitting high on a counter. Now, what was so amazing is she was saying that this dog never ever jumps on the counters. It's like the best dog in the world. You can leave food right on the table, leave the table, and the dog will leave the food alone. And here it is. This dog got in to like, I don't know, 30, 40 ounces of pure chocolate, wrapper and all. And uh, so obviously she had to have the dog come in and we and do some vomiting. But, but how funny is that? So it even could happen to a veterinarian, it can happen to anybody. So I want to know if any of you had any problems with Easter plants that we talked about, like the lilies or and cats, of course, or chocolate. Please give us a call here and let us know. Once again, easy number at 877-385-8882 and let us know how you fared. Anyway, let's go back. You are starting with nice weather. You want to get out there and start the spring activity. Firstly, now's a good time if you haven't recently, take your pet to your veterinarian for a thorough checkup. Because before you start any exercise program, we wanna make sure everything's okay. I mean, hopefully it will be, and if they're young and healthy, they probably won't need much other than a, a you know good physical exam. I don't think you, you need any kind of blood work or anything like that, just to make sure that all is well. Once you get the green light from your veterinarian, next is to start slow. Don't start where you left off at the end of last summer or early fall, which means if you normally got to the point where you're running around the block, you know, six times, 
go once or twice and start a little slower and make sure that, that everything's – and read your dog's behavior. Read the panting. Read the sluggishness. Read the salivation. If these things happen, then you know you might be pushing it a little too much early on. Always, when you're given a choice, exercise either in the early morning or later in the evening, closer to 7 or 8. Wait till the sun goes down. You don't want to, you know, if, if you're home during the day and 2 o'clock hits and you say, oh, my God, I'm kind of bored. What a great time to go out for a little run. What a great time to go to the park and throw that frisbee or chase a tennis ball. No, not such a great time. I rarely, rarely see cases of heat exhaustion, which, by the way, can be deadly. I've seen temperatures sky as high as 107 degrees in a dog. That is really dangerous. I don't see that when they go out earlier in the morning or late in the evening. I do see it when these dogs are doing their hikes, doing their runs, going to the park to play ball in the middle of the day. So you want to you know, kind of keep that in mind. And you know, though you may not reach the major heat temperatures, the dry heat that we get here, like for example in Arizona or in the desert or in Vegas or in even sometimes uh, the desert of California, Palm Springs or the high deserts, But I know that starting now, back east in the southeast, northeast is where we start seeing high humidity. And that is really tough. Sometimes sometimes it's like stifling humidly. Recently when I was uh, away last week, I met up with some people that were from New York and they would much rather not have to deal. They hate being in certain parts of the country during the summer because of the humidity. 80% humidity, go down to the, the southeast, whether it's Georgia, Louisiana, Florida. I mean, it gets really hot and humid and not a good time for dogs as well. You're going from air condition to air condition. So these are things that I want you to keep in mind as you're going to be you know, starting on that fun summer of exercise. And then it's a matter of having a good time. Now, also, make sure that you're not going to, and this is the same lesson that I'm sure your mom taught you when you were small, and that is you're not going to eat a big meal and then go out and play. I remember as kids, we had to wait an hour after we ate before we could swim. And it's, it's the same thing. Besides the fact, who wants to start running around? But you got to give a, an opportunity for that food to digest. And, and in the larger breeds, and we did touch upon this last week, was something called bloat or gastric torsion. That's where the stomach sort of twists on its own axis. And this happens, again, if a dog eats a meal, and then typically, especially if it's dry food, they go drink a bunch of water. The food inside the stomach expands to three times its normal size. That means the stomach is hugely bloated. And then they start going around and running. That stomach, especially in a deep-chested large breed dog, is rocking back and forth. And that's where we can end up with severe, severe problems, and which end up could be deadly. Uh, of course, if it's not recognized, uh, you, you do your run and then you leave, you go back to work in the afternoon or you, you work a night shift and you can come back to a dog who unfortunately has passed because of a, a ruptured stomach from gastric bloat, gastric torsion or GDV, which is gastric dilatation and volvulus, which is a term that we use to describe this condition. So um, anyway, 
We're going to be back. Our phone number once again is 877-385-8882. Give us a call. Send me a note. Join us here online. Join the conversation here at PetLifeRadio.com. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff or send me a quick email to drjeff at drjeff.com and, excuse me, at PetLifeRadio. You can also send me to drjeff.com. That'll get to me too, but drjeff at PetLifeRadio.com. We will be back after these words from our sponsors. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Vacs are powerful, bagless, upright vacuums for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Vac, go to PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. To order your Dyson Animal Vac today. Dyson. Music to your ears. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika, Kate Abbott, and Petra Burke. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back to Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio. And um, I'm Dr. Jeff Werber, your host for the rest of this show. And every week here, the Pacific time at 1 p.m. and back east at 4 p.m. And I hope you can join us and save your questions. If you can't get to us during the show itself, go ahead and send me an email at drjeffatpetliferadio.com. They will be forwarded to me. In fact, on the break, I was just checking some emails, taking advantage of the few minutes. And I do have an email from John in Atlanta, who was um, buying some products for his dog. And uh, one of the employees at the pet store started talking about diets, of course, and wanted to know if he's ever tried one of these raw diets, these naturally raw diets. And John from Atlanta, who, by the way, by sending in a question, John is going to get a free Kong product and a free ProSense product for his dog. And just think, so we're going to give, hopefully, John, you're going to get an answer, and you're going to get a free Kong toy, which are great, by the way. Kongs are amazing, and a ProSense product as well to keep your dog as happy, that's the Kong, and as healthy, the ProSense product, as can be. Anyway, you know, we've talked about this before, John. I don't know if you, if you had a chance to listen in, but first of all, a question I always ask anyone when they are thinking about changing a diet, their pet's diet, why? What, is your dog having a problem? Are you anthropomorphizing, thinking that, well, you know, God, you know, it's in nature, when these dogs are ancestors, they didn't have cooked meat, they ate raw meat. So, of course, we should be feeding our dogs raw meat. I'm not so sure. I don't know. The domestication process of our canine companions has taken thousands of years. Do we really think that the gut 
flora of today's domesticated pet is the same as their ancestors from thousands of years ago? I think not. Now, would it be harmful? Well, I, I'm not sure. There are obviously certain bacteria in raw meats. I know that many of us don't like to eat raw meat. If there was some step in the production process, maybe a flash freeze, for example, that could kill off, say, the salmonella or the E. coli, then, yeah, it may be totally safe. But then the question is, are you really giving your dog something better? So the criteria that I often ask after I ask my questions would be, does your dog like the food you're feeding? And let's assume the answer is yes. Does he have good normal stools? Again, let's assume yes. Does he have seen enough lots of energy, wants to play, run around? The answer, yes. And how about his coat? Nice and shiny. Is it, is, you have a nice luster to the coat. And let's assume yes. Well, if I get a yes to all of those, my recommendation would be don't change a thing. Because why rock the boat? It's one of those things where there's no guarantee that a dog is going to do any better on a organic food, on a natural food, on a raw food than they are right now. And a question I also often ask a client when we have this discussion, and John, this would be perfect for you being the fact that this happened at a pet store. Did the 17-year-old at the pet store, the guy who's working an after high school job, does he also have a veterinary degree? Does he have a degree in nutrition? How about a degree in biochemistry? Anything that might lend him that let us know that, oh my God, this kid's a genius. He's an expert. We should really listen to him. And the answer clearly, I can't be any more facetious than I am, is no. What makes him tick? Probably the specials they got that week going on at the store where the store is making even more a profit on you than on some of the regular foods. And, you know, I always have to laugh. And I have, you know, I have uh, no claim to any involvement, but it's a, a very, very funny, funny situation. But one of the prime foods, what we call a premium food that was very, very popular at the pet store level years ago were the Iams products, Iams and Yukonuba. And I mean, I remember, I remember back in the day, my sister got a dog from a breeder and it was a Doberman Pinscher. And on the contract, it said that this contract will be null and void if you stop feeding this puppy Iams food products which I thought was a rather bold step. But that is the high regard that IMS product were kept, products were kept in back in the day when they were, again, only available at the what we call pet specialty or veterinary level. So years ago, at the time, honestly, I never heard of IMS. That's how long ago it was. So fast forward to the prominence that IMS had attained in the marketplace. And so much so that it's amazing sales, an amazing story caught the eye of one of the larger one of the country's largest companies, we call it P&G, Procter & Gamble. So Procter & Gamble buys Iams. Of course, the founder of Iams is retired, probably forever. And the first thing they do is, is a company that, that just purchases a new food. Say, what? I mean, yeah, pet specialty is nice, but let's face it, we're a mass company. We have products all over the mass market, which includes supermarkets and the big box retailers. We're not going to be exclusively just at the pet store level. And they started distributing IMS products through supermarkets, through the big stores, the big box stores, the mass chain stores, etc. So now, of course, pet stores, the pet specialty couldn't compete. So what do they do? They start pulling IMS off the shelf. So now 
You are that satisfied customer who's been going to this pet store for the longest time. They know you by name. It's cheers. You know, they, hey, Jeff, how you doing? Oh, I'd like to buy my Iams. Oh, that food is terrible. Oh, no, you don't want to feed that. It's full of, of chemicals and it's full of fillers. Well, wait a second, but didn't you tell me last week and the week before that it was just like it's a fantastic food? Oh, no, you know, they, they, changed, their, they changed their formula. No, they didn't. The problem is it's now no longer exclusive to the pet specialty market. So they went ahead and now they malign this food. That's still a pretty darn good food. And the Yukonobu products we even sell here at the hospital. So you really got to look at your target. You got to look at who's selling you the food, who's telling you how great this food is and sort of take it with a grain of salt. You know, it's so funny because I have clients that are so, so concerned about what they put in their pet's mouths. And on the way home, they make sure to stop at, you know, McDonald's or Taco Bell, some fast food place. So, I mean, really, again, if your pet is on a food that they like, they have energy, they have a shiny coat, they have normal stools, don't let anybody talk you out of feeding that same food. Now, of course, if your pet is having a problem in any one of these areas, of course, if there's signs of a food allergy. Of course, if you work with your veterinarian and you do a, a food elimination diet and find out that your pet is allergic to chicken, for example, then yes, you need to find a food that doesn't have chicken. And don't kid yourself in thinking, well, no, you know, it, I'm going to feed this chicken because the chicken in this food, it's organic. It's free-range chicken. Certainly, that's not going to be a problem. Oh, contraire. Of course it is, because when a dog, a pet, or a person is allergic to a particular ingredient in a protein in a food, it doesn't make a difference whether that protein is from the worst fast food place in town or if it's from a, a high-end, organic, free-range, whatever, restaurant. Chicken is chicken is chicken. They're going to be allergic. So as I said, what you really need to do is don't let a pet store tell you what you should be feeding your pet. That's what we're here for. Ask your veterinarian. Let your veterinarian know how your pet is doing. And if your veterinarian wants you to try something different, then he or she will discuss it with you. They will go over the salient, finer points on how to gradually switch from food A to food B. Let you know that if you do a rapid switch, you may see some intestinal upset. It's not because of the new food. It's because of the fast switch. So again, these are little little things that you have to take in consideration when deciding whether or not you should be switching foods. My dogs have been on the same, and I have five, have been on the same food for longer, the longest time. My cats as well. One of the foods I feed my cats, I feed a specialty diet only because I get it here from the office, but I also feed them a commercial over-the-counter supermarket brand of canned foods, and they are doing just great on it. They love it. It's fine. And, you know, one of the things that we have to, we've talked about it before with the prevalence of feline type 2 diabetes, and especially in older cats and overweight cats, we have to be really careful how many carbs, how much carbs we're feeding our cats. And obviously, dry foods are higher in carb content than most canned cat foods, and cats need to eat meat. Cats are obligate carnivores, and therefore, sometimes getting that mushy, yucky, but rich canned food diet of pure meat 
is going to be the way to go with your cat. So you, again, something you want to discuss with your veterinarian. There are some dry foods that have a high, high protein content, mostly meat. That's great. But again, work with your veterinarian on what the best diets to feed your cats will be. And of course, as cats get older and we suffer from kidney problems, and that's the point I want to make, there are some lifestyle issues. For example, there was a, a company out there that started putting out a young adult formula. I think that makes a lot of sense because as we get to young adults, we have growing puppies. We don't want them to get heavy. As they reach a certain point in their growth cycle, they don't need the calories because they're going to gain weight. They're not burning up enough, but they still need a higher protein because they're still growing. So uh, we have to be really careful. I thought young adult formula is a good idea. There's life stage diets out there. Some foods say good for all stages. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, it might be, you know, young young dogs, healthy dogs is great. But when they get older, there are some modifications one may need to take depending on your pet's health. So again, my message point here is when, if you are considering a diet change, ask yourselves the questions, why? And then speak to your veterinarian. Go over the pros and cons of a diet switch with a veterinarian. If you truly are going to solve the whatever problem you think you may be solving, and don't listen to the advice of a kid working in a pet store and go with their recommendations. Take it in. Listen. If they have something good to say, they may have some good points. But before you make a switch, speak to your veterinarian. Anyway, it is that time to say goodbye. Thank you all for joining in. I'm bummed that none of us, uh, none of you had the, uh, are, except for John, are going to be getting a, a, a free product from Kong and ProSense. Those of you that were afraid to call and comment, 877-385-8882, go ahead and send me an email just to let me know, drjeff at petliferadio.com, that you were tuning in. And even if you do that, there's one for you. Just send me an email and let me know that you were listening to anything we talked about today. And I will send you out a ProSense product for your pet. See you next week here on Pet Life Radio. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Have a great week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.